Anyway, I don't know about you, but last week, preaching through Revelation 4, and then going down and listening to Pastor John preach on Revelation 4 was, was um, challenging. Um, and, and so it's caused me to think, where do I go in the future? <clears throat> because for me to compete against John MacArthur is like, you know, Mickey Mantle competing against me, you know? Mickey Mantle's dead. <laughs> and so John has is, is got um, these years that, uh, of preaching and teaching and all. And so what I'm going to do is, and I, I've made this plan in my mind. I prayed about it again this morning. Um, and, and I'm going to take a pause after I finish with Revelation 4. And, and I'm going to let him get further ahead. Into the distance, okay? And, and then maybe come back and finish it up. Because I really did enjoy, frankly, being challenged with studying the Word uh, in Revelation. I have never preached through it before, and, and I wanted, I, I like that challenge. This is something that I've been thinking about. Is doing, when we come back in January, because I don't, I don't teach again until January, is starting something on how do we reach Roman Catholics with the gospel? Um, I was raised a Roman Catholic. Uh, I went to Catholic grammar school, high school, and college. And so I know a little bit about it. Uh, got saved out of the Roman Catholic Church. And, and there may even be some folks in here that have had that kind of situation. And I thought, you know what? This will be something for you to be able to use with your neighbor, with your brother, your sister. Not only that, but I'm going to be seeing my brothers and sisters this Christmas time because my brother's very sick, and I want to go see him before he uh, leaves this planet, because I don't know where he's going. And so I thought that would be good for me to get a little bit uh, of thought and, and all on that and put that together and be able to bring that to you. And yes, I probably will use the overhead, so please don't make any fun of my overhead usage. Anyway, but I, I, do, I do think that that would be good for us, there's something else that I didn't do in that announcement with him telling you that Matt was getting married. Uh, when I did my interview with Matt, I started asking him some questions. I found out he was from Connecticut. Connecticut's not that far from New York. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. That's a, so I said, uh, does, do you know anything about Mount Vernon or, or Westchester? Oh, yeah, my dad was uh, born in Yonkers, and uh, he grew up there. And I said, oh, yeah, where did I go to school? He said, Mount St. Michael. I graduated from Mount St. Michael. And so I did the next question. What year did your dad graduate? <laughs> you know, every son knows everything about their dad. He said, well, I don't know exactly when, but it, it was probably, I'm not going to tell you. Cause <laughs> <laughs> 1969. That's the same year I graduated. And I didn't know his dad. We had 400 men, no, 400 boys, graduating that year uh, from uh, Mount St. Michael. And so I didn't, I didn't know him. There was only three. All of us went to college. Only three didn't. They went to Vietnam. I mean, that was your choice. You go to Vietnam or you go to college. And so uh, most of the guys were choosing to go to college. But anyway, it was um, interesting to find out that his dad and I were in the same class, but we... We may even have been in the classroom together at some point. 
if his dad went to detention, I was there. <laughs> I know it. Without a doubt, I was there. Because detention and I seem to get along real well. They made you stand in the biology class, you know, and you had to stand there for hours, you know, and I got in detention for being in detention. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that was, well, that was neat that we had that connection. Uh, his, his dad doesn't remember me either, so you can see uh, how that goes. But why don't we start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get to Revelation 4. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your grace in our lives that... Lord, it doesn't matter where we are, just hearing this music, beautiful music that talks about the glory of God and how you are in control of all things and and that we have all of that to look forward to in worshiping you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, forever and ever. Lord God, as we listen to this message today, it's not to be compared to Pastor John's message. It is to be taken as much as we can to take in the word to learn about who you are. Because when it's all said and done, we will still know very little. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, I hope it's your heart's desire. It has been my heart's desire. Uh, And maybe we could even go around the class and ask if this is your heart's desire of going to heaven. I, I I would hope that that's your heart's desire. My heart more and more wants to go because of this study just because I see some of the things that are being done there, because I see some of the character of of my great God and my great Savior, that's what I am attracted to. The glory, the wonder that's there. It's unknown, folks. Even though we have these passages here, we are ignorant of what's going on in heaven. The glory and the wonder of of what we already know is, is enough to get my heart pumping. I can't imagine what the rest would be. I have great anticipation of going there. I have no fear of going there. I want to go there. When last we were together, we were at a very crucial time in the um, uh, chapter here of chapter 4. And so by way of reading through it again, I want you to at least get the context of where we're going. Revelation 4, starting in verse 1. After these things, I look and behold, a door standing open in heaven... And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting, like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance." Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. I don't know about you, even the songs that we sung today. A matter of fact, I especially like the songs that we sung today because that's what it was talking about. What we're going to be doing. Will you get bored with singing holy, holy, holy? Will you get bored with singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah? I would hope not, folks. You should remember your life here on earth. Your life here on earth, which, which you are a beggar, which you are a sinner, completely, thoroughly sinning all the time, even in your mind. But here in heaven, you're going to be able to say holy, holy, holy. There, It's completely different. You're in two different worlds, of course. You're in two different uh, um, satisfactions, as a matter of fact. Yet here, you're satisfied with your sin. There, you're satisfied with your giving glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the difference that we have. And it's a, a unique and, and a profound difference. There's nothing more different than this earth and heaven. Nothing more different. And so look for and keep that glory of God in your mind and your heart because that's what you're getting ready for. That's what you're practicing here on earth for. As we say, in, 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 even in the big service, All of that is in preparation for heaven. You're going to learn about God. And I thought about this recently, 41 years that I've been in the Lord. 41 years of hearing the word of God taught, getting more and more and more. And you know what? I'm still an ignorant imbecile. I'm still ignorant. Compared to what he is, to who he is. Two weeks ago, Let me take a drink here. Two weeks ago, we looked at doors, we looked at heaven, we looked at thrones, we looked at light, we looked at gems, we looked at rainbows, we looked at elders. Last week, we looked at flashes of lightning, peals of thunder, lamps, seven spirits, a sea of glass, and four living creatures. As I have now read through the passage for the third time, I hope it gives you an anticipation, and a prayer maybe of worship to be there. I hope that that's what it's done. I hope these precious truths about God make you more desirous to be with him. This is a hymn. This is a hymn of praise to our God, giving the saints on earth hope. I've got to tell you, we're in a hopeless world, folks. If you look around, it's a hopeless world. You see, even though it's a hopeless world, he's in control of this world. I I mean, it's, it's what he's doing to bring about his plan is what's going on. And he's going to bring it to victory. That's what's going to happen. His victory is assured. There's not even a question about it. 
God will justly vindicate his people. He'll bring judgment to those who persecute them. That's a, a nice thought to have in your mind. We don't have persecution here, but if we did, he would be bringing justice to that situation. So as we look at uh, Revelation 4, verse 8, second part of it, <clears throat> it says there, holy, holy, holy. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is set apart from the common gods created by man. He is thrice holy, beyond what you could ever think or imagine. The four living creatures ascribe absolute holiness. There isn't even a tinge of something wrong there to our God. Holy, holy, holy. Yeah, it is their declaration. That should be our declaration. Completely and thoroughly holy. This declaration of, of the holiness of God is, is being made by these four living creatures. By these living creatures. How can language, and I'm serious about this, how can our language, language, any language, ever express the unfathomable holiness of God? It's impossible. It's impossible. What else do these four living creatures say about God? They ascribe to him lordship. I, and I, I got to Grace Community Church in 1982, and um, the Lordship Salvation controversy was almost, you know, I mean, it was like not in the, uh, it was not almost over. I mean, the book was written in 1978, I think it was. But there was this whole talk about this Lordship Salvation. And I said, but when I came to faith in Christ, I declared that he was the king, and I would follow him in everything. Do you know some people who are Christians don't do that? Could you imagine? They don't even think about that. Oh, I just mentioned him as my Lord, and so I don't have to do anything else. Well, I see when you say he's Lord, that means he's master of your life. He's over all of your life. They ascribe to him his lordship, his power. Said another way, it's unqualified deity. You can't, you can't ever get to that point of that deity. He is also the Lord God, the Lord God. His lordship is over all of the earth. And I think you've heard me say, at least in these last three messages, that as we go through Revelation here, he goes back to creation all the time. He is Lord of all the earth. And it's not just his planet, it's his universe. It's his universe, and it's without question He's Lord over all. And I just want to give you a few verses here in, in Revelation where it speaks about that. Revelation 1.8. <clears throat> the declaration here says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's making a self-declaration there. I am. And he is. Revelation 11.15. Revelation eleven fifteen, it says there, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. He's Lord forever and ever. 
you know He was Lord of you before you became a Christian? Oh, but He wouldn't want me to have done the things I did before a Christian. No, He was Lord of you before you came to salvation. He's going to be Lord until the end, completely. Um, Revelation 15, 3 and 4. Revelation 15, 3 and 4. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways. King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, and your righteous acts have been revealed. You know, I thought about that for a little while, and I said, I wonder if Hamas is going to do that. Jesus Christ returns. They're going to beg. They're going to beg. When Jesus Christ returns, the Jews who have not accepted him as their Messiah will beg. They will cry out. Zechariah chapter 12. They will cry out. They will see their Messiah for who he is. Revelation 16, verse 7. And I heard the star, I'm sorry, and I heard the altar saying, I've never heard a star or an altar speak, but amen. And the altar saying, yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. That's the kind of God we have. Every, everything is going to cry out. Revelation 19.6. Revelation 19.6. <clears throat> then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. He is in charge. Folks, you're not in charge of your life. When you become a Christian, you give it to Him. It's His He's going to do what he wants to do. And even if you haven't done it, it's still in his hand. Revelation chapter 22, 5 and 6. And there will no longer be any night, and there will no longer have a need of the light of the lamp, nor the light of a sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. Can you imagine? He's the light. This morning I got up. Uh, fairly early, and I saw the moon setting. I saw that's a beautiful light, but it didn't give a whole lot of light out there compared to there's never going to need anything else but him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Oh, verse 6, And he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. He is in charge. That's all up to him. Whatever your plans may be, even for the rest of today, they're still in his his hand. Uh, Proverbs 21 says, The heart of the king is like water in the hand in your hand. He can make it go wherever he wants. So yes, you have your plans, but that's if he so wants that to happen. Be filled. I'm, and I'm serious about this. Be filled with the lordship of God in your life. 
He's great and awesome. And yes, there may be some pain in your life. There may be some suffering in your life. But he's doing it for your good. But Bill, you don't know what it is. No, I don't. But he's doing it for your good. First of all, it gets you to look up. Psalm 119, verse 67. It is good that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. We come under a mighty God. He's teaching us. He loves us that much. Be filled with the Lordship of Christ. We have an awesome God. Be overwhelmed in your hearts that he condescends to even relate to us. I love that in Revelation 4, the Almighty. The Almighty, Lord Sabaoth. Beloved, he is without comparison. There is none like him. This God we serve, this God we love, transcends time. He transcends history. He transcends everything without any effort. Without any effort. Do you know how much planning we'd have to have to go into something like that? We go away to, to our, our daughter's uh, house and, and son-in-law's house, and we got all of this planning. Do we take this? Do we take this? You know, and then we got to give him this kid and fit in the car. And Oh, we're going to bring the granddaughter home, so how do we? I mean, we got all this planning. He doesn't have to do that. It just happens. It just happens. This God we serve transcends everything without even an effort. Lord God, the Almighty is sovereign over all. Just to give you a few more verses, Revelation eleven seventeen, and and believe me, I've got a whole raft of them here, but I'm only going to give you a couple of them. But eleven seventeen says this: We give you thanks. Isn't it good to give thanks? We had this whole week of giving thanks because of Thanksgiving. O oh Lord, the Almighty, who are and who were because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. He's over all things. Revelation 21, 22. You know, I never knew all of these verses were thrown in the middle. Yes, I've read the Bible multiple times. I've read Revelation multiple times, meaning I probably have read it every single year. And... These things don't stand out like this. But Revelation 21, 22 says this, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. He doesn't need anything else. It's Him. Be filled with that Lordship, folks. See Him as your master. That will help you making decisions of what you do in life. Is he my master or am I my master? That's your choice. I don't think you want to be master of your life. John is in the midst of uncovering the greatness. He's uncovering the goodness. He's uncovering the blessedness of our God. John continues here in that prayer and that, that sin, that, that, that's, that, that hymn. John continues his who was and who is and who is to come. John's here rejoicing at the eternality of the Almighty God, of the Almighty One. He is the one and only. Humanity is without, without Him. 
he is putting on display his absolute supremacy over all things. God's holiness is eternal. He's unchangeable. I remember having to do a message about the unchangeableness of God. He doesn't change. He's eternal. Even before the fall, somebody said to me, but God wasn't angry. I remember having this debate with somebody. Yes, God was angry before the fall because he can't change. He was angry at what was going to be. And he uses that anger to his glory and for our good. This prayer, this hymn is about the eternality of God. This passage is on display and of the wonderful yet unspeakable holiness of God that is put, is being put into words here. But I have to say, without a doubt, these words are still inadequate. They can't reach to where he is and who he is. For the last three weeks, I've been describing John's depiction of God. But please, I want you to note this. There has been no literal, actual description of God. Because that is impossible. John 1.18, you don't need to turn there. No one has seen God at any time. Nor will anybody see God. Folks, we often stop and look around the world and we wonder, how in the world can God redeem this place? It's crooked, it's perverted, it's messed up. I mean, even driving back from Arizona yesterday, what a picnic that is. <laughs> I, 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 they they, they got to get ahead of you. And my wife says, why, why do you do that? I said, well, it gets me home 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> But that's what's going on. Oh, I I need to get ahead of them. I need to get ahead of them. Ay, ay, ay. We we do these petty little things. I just wish they'd put another lane on the freeway so I could go faster. (laughs) God is in the midst of redeeming this perverted world. It is so messed up and frankly much more is to come. I hate to tell you that. And that's the sadness brings to my heart is about my grandchildren. But God is still the Almighty. And that will never change. This is how this wonderful hymn is described. It is about his lordship. It's about his sovereignty. It's about his eternality. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Revelation 4 9, and when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. It's, It's just keep going over the same subjects, yes, over and over again. Here we are in the midst of our Thanksgiving season. This passage is saying we need to give thanks. Notice it there, and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne. Do you ever have a terrible day? Do you ever have a really rotten day and say, thank you, Lord? I I really appreciate this day. Do you know that happens quite often in Scripture where it tells you you should be giving thanks? Just to take you to one, Philippians 4, 6, and I I know that you know this. And it says there in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, by by everything in prayer, with thanksgiving. (laughs) 
wait a minute, you're anxious, you've got all of this uh, stuff going on in your life, and you are to thank the Lord for it. Yes. Yes. He wants you to do that. You know what? I, I take it back. It, 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 it says there, by everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. But thank him, not that you're going to get a good answer, but thank him for the trial. How do I know that this is about God and worshiping him? Back in 4.4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Then in 4.5, it says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. He's in control. Whether it's eschatologically or, or he's near because he's living in you, it doesn't matter. We need to keep that in mind. My God is there for me. So tomorrow you get a bill. You can't pay it. Yeah, your God is there. He will give you a way through it. He will give you a way through it. So back to Revelation 4. One commentator said, Glory and honor relate to God's perfection. Glory and honor relate to God's perfection. He is perfect. To him who lives forever and ever, the eternality of God is assured by his uncreatedness. He was not created. He always was. He always was there. He always will be there. Just a few other verses. You, You can go there if you want, but I would say jot these down just to get the solidified in your mind. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting, you are God. Now, I was driving across that desert just a few hours ago. That's not just about. And you know what? We're passing these huge mountains. People, if they had a person that was anywhere near there, they were insignificant compared to these mountains. It says here that before the mountains were born, you gave birth to the earth and the world. We don't even look like anything compared to that mountain. We're insignificant. Now, take this planet and compare it to the universe. Or let's start with the solar system. By the way, did you hear we lost one of the planets? Yeah, Pluto is no longer considered a planet. He went to Disneyland and got lost. (laughs) Folks, insignificant we are. Insignificant, completely and thoroughly. Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Verse 24. I say, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations of old. You founded the earth and the heavens and the work that your hands. Even they will perish, but you will endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. They're all going to disappear. It's all going to go away, but you will not. You will not. First Timothy 1.17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, 
be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I, I sit there sometimes and I think about the Jews going through the desert when they're uh, in the Exodus. You know, they're, they're leaving, being in uh, captivity for 400 years, being slaves for 400 years, and they're leaving and, and they get somewhere and they're, they're complaining about their food. Not, not Vilma's food, but they're complaining about their food. And I go, wait a minute, what, what are you pathetic people doing? God is supplying that for you. He is giving that to you. Manna, he's giving you those things to have. All, all of that stuff that they're getting, and they're complaining about their food. And you hear them rise up and they say, well, we need to go back because we used to get the leeks and the this and the that. Fella, you were in captivity. You'd rather have that? Do we not do that sometimes? Do we not do that in some of the choices we make? We go back to those old days of, of that captivity that we had when we were slaves to our sin. No. God says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I'll give you rest. So what happens in response to the understanding of the eternality of God? We see it in Revelation 4.10. This is what happens the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne. These 24 elders are in awe of God. They, they, have, they experience this great God and, and they're going to fall down before the throne. They fall down, they worship him who lives forever. They realized the difference. They realized their insignificance. You know, when you came to faith in Christ, we saw that in Matthew chapter 5 a few months ago. Uh, see, you know, so many Christians think they're good. <laughs> so many Christians think, no, realize your spiritual bankruptcy and your need for Him. But that's what they're doing here. They realize it and they're down on their face. They fall down and worship him. This is the first time. This is the first time, but not the last time that the elders fall down before the throne and worship God. I'd like to pick out some of those so that we can look at them and you can see. This is not the first, but it, this is the first, but it's not the last. Revelation chapter 5. Verse 8, it says this, When he had taken the book of four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They're worshiping. They're falling down before him. Here's the next one, 4, 518. I'm sorry, 514. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. They realized their insignificance. These are the, the elders. And that's sometimes what we need to do, is realize our insignificance. So many of us think we're high and mighty and big and tall and whatever it is. We, we think that we know better than anybody else. I, I love Ed Welch's book. He says, 
um, I, I wonder what people think about me. And then he has a second part to it. And why do I care? I wonder what people think about me. But that's where people are a lot. We, we wonder what people think about us. Wonder what God thinks about you. Forget about other people. Revelation 7.11. 7.11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and all the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. That's what they're going to be doing in heaven. 11.16. Eleven sixteen, And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their face and worshipped him. And this is what they're saying, and it's basically the same thing. We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Right now, God is in control of all of that. He has not taken complete reign yet. He has not. Could you imagine when he does? 19.4. And when I say that, he hasn't acted on that yet. 19.4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. Folks, you will not be bored singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the Almighty. You will not. You will not. Your mind may say that. Your, your human thinking may say that. But that's not the way it's going to be. After this response of reverence, the, the elders cast their crowns before the throne. I, I like this. I like this. What, what is a crown? It, it's supposed to be a, a, a significance. You, you've actually earned something. You know, if you're, you're the king of the country, you get a crown. If you've you got a crown here, you've earned something. What do they do? They cast it away because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's insignificant. I love that attitude. It's not, look at me. I've got a crown on. No. They get rid of it. They don't want to be noticed for all the things that they've done. Matter of fact, if you keep that crown on your head, it's going to be tantamount to blasphemy because you're going to try to compete with God. They cast their crowns before him in worship. That is what we are going to be doing. So I think about 1 Corinthians 3. We have the crowns there that we have. We're going to be throwing, putting them before the Lord. That's what we need to practice. If anything good comes, and I, I've heard John MacArthur say this, if anything good comes from his preaching, he says, ah, it's not me, it's the Lord. That's what it is. The 24 elders realize they are being able to overcome any sin or temptation comes at the hands of a sovereign, gracious God. That's what they're realizing. It is because of the, the throne sitter that they have victory. You need to remember that too. Revelation 4.11 Worthy are you, O our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of 
your will, they existed and were created. The 24 elders are giving praise to the Creator God, saying, You created all things, everything. We need to stop there just for a moment. Created all things? Yes, the universe. How large is the universe? They don't know yet because it's still growing. It's still expanding. I don't care what the astronomers may want to say to you, but they haven't gotten there yet. Okay, they can't even get to what? The moon? Or, well, they did get to the moon. They're trying to get to Mars. They, they, they don't have a clue. They have no clue. How, how large is that universe? They have no, how complex is that universe? I, I think some of our science fiction things, you know, start to show all of this stuff. Yeah, I guess it could be a possibility, but who knows? How precise, though, listen to this, is the creation. Yes, God created all things. Yet, you know what happens even today? That creation is groaning because it doesn't want to be there as it is because it's fallen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 gives us a little bit of a picture about this universe that God created. And uh, in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When we see that glory, this suffering means nothing. It means nothing. Torture, whatever it is, uh, it doesn't mean anything. Death is death. Verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Why was it subjected? Because of the fall. Why was the fall there? Because he planned it. It was his to do. He receives more glory that way that the creation this verse 21 that the creation um, itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now and not only this but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. That's what we want. We want to be redeemed out of these painful, sinful, God-awful bodies. We want to be His. We want to be there. Folks, that's what's happening with the creation right now. We're wanting to move on, not wanting to stay here. It's interesting in the midst of worship of the Almighty King. Let's go back to Revelation. It's surrounded by the subject of creation. And this is the end of humanity. I remember a few years ago when Pastor John was doing a series on Genesis. 
if you were here, you would have remembered. And I think he said it quite often. If you get the beginning wrong, how can you get the rest of Scripture correct? Yeah, God created. So why did God create the world and all that is in it? The answer is right here in the text. I love it. It's right here in the text of Scripture. And because of your will, they existed. It was his will. It was his will and they were created. God wanted it that way. Yes, God wanted all that has happened. And I think back on some things that, boy, that almost is questionable. No, he wanted it for his purposes. Why, Why do planes go into the World Trade Center? I'm from New York. I used to have customers in the World Trade Center. I have no idea. I have no clue because I've been out of that business for so long that whether they were still there. But why did God do that? Do you know how many people have come to Christ because of that? New York City was a dead city spiritually. There are some people there actually doing some spiritual work there. God wanted it that way. Yes, God wanted it to happen. It brings him glory. It brings him honor. It brings him power. It says here, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. It's overwhelming for our simple minds to grasp all that God has done, all that he has used to receive glory, and all that he has used to receive praise. From the simplest man or woman coming to Christ, And I've met some simple people that have come to Christ. Guess what? God did that. God did that. Remember when John was baptizing uh, somebody who was Down syndrome at Grace Church here. I don't know if you were here that night. It was just absolutely beautiful. And his name was Billy. And, And John said to him, Billy, who is Jesus Christ? Billy looked at me and says, I thought you knew. (laughs) The simplest person can get saved. The simplest person, that's the, the reason for that. The simplest. And then, if God wants to, he can save a city of Ninevites. I mean, just boom, like that. I know that you have relatives that aren't walking with the Lord and don't know the Lord. I have them. I'm going to go back and see them this Christmas and and try to talk with them about the gospel again. They need Christ. The simplest. God wanted it to happen, whatever it is. You know, as as a counselor, I sometimes say, God causes all things to be good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Well, you know, when you have a tragedy in your own family or you have something happen to you, you have to look in the mirror and say, really? God causes all things to be good? Yep. That's when you come to understand that God is working in your life. That's how you understand that. God causes all things to be good to those who love him. How do we know? Because his will existed 
and they were created. They happened. The word will is sometimes translated pleasure. I mentioned that before. Because of your pleasure, they existed. Now, let me give you a few verses there before we run out of time. Proverbs 16.4, just to give you an idea of his will. Proverbs 16.4, it says there, The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what the proverb said. Isaiah 43, 7. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. 46, 10, and 11. I want this one last one, and we're going to skip the last one because I need to finish this up. And it says there in 46, 10, it says, Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. I want to skip the first part there. And the man of my purpose from a far country, truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. So what has God planned for your life? Does he plan your disobedience? Does he plan your indifference? Does he plan any of those things? I should hope not. I would hope that you would cling to the cross, you would run to the cross, you would want to know our Savior even more and more so that when you get to heaven, you know exactly This is what I'm expecting. This is what I know is going to happen. Make sure that you know him, your whole heart, mind, and soul, that you want to follow after him for the rest of your days. That is what's important. To know the score of the football game from yesterday, I didn't even know they had football yesterday. I was in the car, not because I'm such a good guy. But that's not important or the scores from today. What's important is, are you His? And are you going to be in heaven? Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this portion of Scripture. I love it. Thank you for challenging my own heart, in my own thinking, about what this passage is saying. Lord God, you are good. You're always good. I pray, Lord God, that You would help each and every one of these dear, dear people to come to you, know you, grow in you, and be able to say hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. Pray this in your name. Amen. Have a good week.